Hello, everyone. This is Brad Thomas with The Ground Up. Uh, I'm back again for another CEO Roundtable interview. Uh, this time I'm joined with John Albright. John is the CEO of Alpine NetLease, ticker symbol is P-I-N-E. Uh, John, it's good to see you today. Good to see you, Brad. Um, well, of course, we just uh, initiated coverage recently on Alpine. I guess it's been a couple months now uh, when the company, uh, I guess, spun out of, out of the, the, I'll call it the parent company, uh, CTO, which we'll talk about here in just a minute. But first on Alpine, since we do cover the company now as a REIT, I do want to say we, uh, we have purchased shares uh, for our subscribers. We have a portfolio called the Cash King Portfolio. Uh, um, and I'm just looking here uh, real quickly. We have uh, um, somewhere in here uh, bought some shares kind of in the, in the, in the depths of the uh, early, I guess the early innings of COVID. And, um, um, and since that time, obviously, uh, we've seen some improvements, both from a price perspective, but also from a fundamental perspective. So can you talk a little bit, I guess, about first, John, about the platform itself? You know, what's the, what's the uh, diversification of the business? And then in terms of uh, rent collection, how you've been able to improve over the last several uh, quarters? Sure. Um, uh, thanks again. So the, the whole premise when we took uh, Alpine Income Property Trust uh, public in November was we had a, a fairly large uh, portfolio of net lease properties uh, located within uh, CTO Realty Growth. And we felt like we weren't getting the uh, proper valuation for the high quality portfolio we had. So we took a portfolio of net lease properties, uh, high quality uh, credits and locations, and basically did an IPO in late November uh, with that portfolio. It came out unleveraged. Uh, so we had a very nice uh, line of credit uh, to grow the portfolio. So we've been very active, as you can see, um, this year. Started out active and then during COVID, we, we stopped acquisitions, just made sure the portfolio was durable and, and dealt with any tenant issues we had to deal with. And then once we saw that the uh, coast was clear and, and tenants were doing well or were paying rent, we started looking for acquisitions and it was a good time to look for acquisitions as a lot of people were on the sideline. So we've uh, picked up the pace quite a bit on the acquisition side, um, re reintroduced our guidance that uh, will probably hit the, uh, the $100 million of acquisitions this year. Um, and, um, and be kind of in that FFO guidance of uh, 95 cents to $1.05 for the year. So, um, so we're really pleased with that. And, and I think, you know, some of the things that I've told our shareholders and research analysts um, is the fact that, uh, you know, we have 100% uh, lease collections this month and last month. So we were the first uh, net lease re when COVID occurred to say that, hey, rent, uh, some tenants aren't paying rent and our stock got clobbered, everyone got nervous, but we felt like it was a, the right thing to do is, is let uh, the investment community know what, what's going on. And then obviously all the other net lease REITs started identifying what's going on with their portfolio. So we were the first to identify um, challenges and then we're the first, uh, probably the first one to have 100% rent collections. And what I've discussed with our shareholders and investors is that uh, investors will understand after six or nine months who has a good portfolio and who doesn't, who's up and running and uh, is, is basically out uh, doing acquisitions again and who's really dealing with uh, still some portfolio issues. 
So, um, so that, that really uh, tells you about the strength of our locations and the strength of our tenants. So, um, so uh, we're, you know, you know, look, we have a small portfolio. That means we can grow faster and deal with issues faster for sure. So we don't have the, the issues of having a, a gigantic portfolio and just really uh, lots of things to deal with. Sure. <clears throat> I want to make one correction. Actually, we bought shares for our small cap portfolio. I knew I had it there somewhere, which has actually been a top performer. We've uh, generated 53% returns uh, with that uh, with that stock. So uh, it's been that, doing great for us. Yeah, that means you didn't buy enough. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this portfolio, by the way, has returned an average of 27% a year since 2016. So we've, we've been pretty tactical in the small cap uh, uh, composition or small cap strategy. Um, in terms of the, uh, the theaters, you have, I believe, uh, memory serves me correct. You have two theaters in the portfolio at 100% rent collection. That's rather obvious that those theaters are paying rent now. Is that correct? Yeah. So we've we've negotiated with uh, some of the tenants whether it's a deferral and spread respreading the the rent. And for that, we get uh, lease extensions. And so it's it's safe to assume that the theaters are probably on the leading edge of negotiating. Uh, hey, well, let's give us some relief in July, August, and that sort of thing until uh, we get up and running again. So we've negotiated with some of our tenants, um, uh, rent deferrals. Uh, for that, we've gotten some lease extensions. And so those theaters are now open. Uh, but, you know, one of the things is we have, we have only two theaters. One is an AMC. And uh, for instance, uh, what I've mentioned to shareholders is that fact that AMC came to us and said, look, we really want to work something out uh, because our rent is very low and their, their theater had been very um, successful as far as sales. And so it's a very profitable theater for them. Uh, I'm sure there's lots of theaters that AMC would like to uh, basically shed uh, the lease exposure, but this one's not one of them. Same thing for our Cinemark Theater in downtown Reno, which is an opportunity zone right on the Truckee River. You know, Reno and Nevada is growing like crazy with people coming over from California. So it has great long-term prospects. So those type of locations, whether even if something happens to those theater companies, there's going to be another surviving theater that's going to want those locations. Yeah. So I want to ask you, we, we also recently initiated coverage on two new net lease REITs. Uh, we have NetStreet, NTST, and now we have Broadstone, NetLease, BNL. We have the CEO on tomorrow uh, talk about that, that strategy. Um, you know, given the size of Alpine and one of the smaller NetLease REITs, how do you, I guess, differentiate yourself from all of the, now what is becoming a crowded NetLease sector? How do, how do you differentiate yourself? Yeah, I mean, we we um, have the benefit of having a couple things that's a little different. Uh, first, a smaller portfolio. So obviously, we're going to grow faster just because we're we're smaller and for a long time. We believe. Uh, for the other thing is during during COVID, I would say on the roadshow there was concern about some of our office properties. We we have two office properties, as you know, and um, and after COVID or during COVID, everyone. Uh, understood the uh, the benefit that we had there. Uh, Wells Fargo is our largest uh, tenant, and uh, Hilton Grand Vacations is our second, uh, as far as our uh, second office building. And so those tenants paid like clockwork, 
And so uh, we didn't have to deal with the challenges that other, um, you know, basically net lease REITs have where they have uh, mom and pop type of uh, credits. We have over 80% of our uh, tenants are publicly traded. And so we just have more strength in our tenancy and then better locations. We look at our locations of, of where we're located, it's major, uh, major MSAs and, and so forth. So it's really the small size growing faster, um, stronger credits and better locations. Um, so look, I mean, we hope to be uh, really, you know, big at, at some point and, and we'll have uh, more diversity, but right now we're, I would say a stronger portfolio and smaller, uh, but uh, you know, obviously growing fast. So we'll talk about CTO in a minute, your, your external advisor and the other company that's currently a C-Corp, uh, but we know that CTO really utilized the cheapest cost of capital it had, which is the 1031 exchange to grow the company over decades. Um, however, uh, Alpine being now a new public REIT utilizes, you know, common equity and debt to what traditional REITs do. So how do you, uh, how do you think about your balance sheet today in terms of growing the Alpine platform? Yeah, so, you know, clearly um, uh, the, the good news is that uh, the investors who, who basically invested with us want this company to grow because as you uh, grow, as you know, uh, get a larger market cap, your cost of capital actually comes down because more and more investors are able to participate because there's more liquidity and ability to get money to work. And so the whole thesis is that we use our uh, credit line uh, to, uh, to do the initial growth. And then after we've used up the, the line of credit, uh, then hopefully the stock is at a, at a good place and we'll be able to, um, to go back to the public markets. So it's clearly uh, that's the path uh, to, uh, to recharge the balance sheet uh, with uh, equity in the future. Yeah, it's interesting. While you were speaking, I was looking at Agree, you know, which we, we obviously cover Agree, ADC. And, you know, we know that 2009, the company went through a reshuffling of the deck and they had the borders and some of the other stuff. And so looking at Agree since that, since that time, coming out of the recession, getting rid of the borders and the Kmarts and all that mess, uh, we know Agree's done extremely well. But to your point, they were a much smaller, you know, uh, entity back then. And I'm just looking, just pick the date, say 2012 to now, even through the pandemic, uh, agrees generated about 17, almost 18% annualized returns. So clearly outperformance because they had a much a smaller base to work from, right? And so, you know, I could see Alpine kind of following that same path, if you will, of agree in order to grow and, and create more, uh, more shareholder value because you've got such a low uh, denominator to start with. Um, can you, I guess, last question on Alpine is your dividend policy. How do you kind of think about your dividend today? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, the dividend is is obviously uh, set to grow. Uh, you know, if you if you think that we hit the midpoint of our of our FFO of, a, of a, call it a buck a share, and and right now we're at a run rate of eighty cents on um, on the dividend. You know, there's room to grow there, and so. You know, we'll, we'll certainly um, you know be a higher dividend payout ratio type of uh, company for a while, uh, but uh, but yeah, the the dividend is set to a, a place where we expect it to grow um, over time. Great. 
So I want to move on, if we could, John, over to CTO. Uh, and I can't pronounce the name. It used to be Consolidate Tomoko. I know if I got that correctly. You got, you got pretty close. Okay. And Tomoko. That's why we changed the name, so you have a better <laughs> chance. Exactly. And so, so, so the audience knows Tomoko was a river, correct? Originally? Correct. And talk about the history of the company. Again, I know it went, you know, almost 100 years back or so, but essentially you took the land uh, that you had land holdings and using the 1031 vehicle, which is still in place, I might add. There's some resistance now politically, but anyway, I'm, I'm a believer that uh, we'll have the 1031 for, for quite some time. But, but anyway, different, different topic. But using the 1031 model, how has your company been able to evolve and create this, this, this CTO uh, value? Yeah, so um, so certainly if I uh, talk about the history of the company, we'll, we'll use up all the time for uh, many podcasts to come, but I'll give you the, the cliff notes. So the company is over 110 years old, uh, used to own 2 million acres of land in Florida, obviously largest landowner way back when. Uh, over the decades, the company has sold off land. When I came here in 2011, uh, we had about 11,500 acres. Uh, we're now down to roughly, you know, 1,500 acres or so. Um, so we've really done a lot of wood chopping. And as you mentioned, because our basis goes back 100 years, we have very low basis. We've sold land, done 1031 exchanges into high quality income properties around the country. Obviously, some of those have been put into Alpine. We still have over um, uh, over half a billion of uh, income properties uh, at the company that are throwing off very strong cash flows. And that's why it was time to make this move to become a REIT. Uh, because our cash flows are so strong, our free cash flow is over $4 a share. And um, you know our, our federal tax bill is gonna go up. So it's time to become uh, a REIT and go into a favored uh, tax status. Uh, that means that we'll have to pay out a very large dividend to our shareholders this year. Uh, and that you know, we've uh, publicly uh, announced that with that would be roughly almost $10 a share um, through in the mid range. And so, um, and so that's, you know, you know, given that our stocks at $42 and pay out a $10 uh, special dividend, plus there'll be obviously ongoing um, you know, dividends. So you can imagine that our dividends going to be hiked quite a bit uh, from the 40 cents that we just announced. So, so we'll be one of those companies, I think in the REIT landscape, you would know better than me that has a very strong dividend growth, a very strong FFO growth in a COVID type of, of market. So again, this is kind of like Alpine in that, you know, we're growing and thriving and other people are dealing with portfolio issues. So we're we're excited about uh, getting into the REIT space, and hopefully, you know, shareholders or investors will uh, will see the uh, the opportunity. Sure, it looks like the competition for CTO is uh, primarily multi-tenant. Although you do have some single-tenant properties, can you talk about kind of where that strategy is going to move? Are you going to really lean more towards multi-tenant and and sell off the single-tenant or sell those to Alpine? Or how do you see this this strategy going forward? Yeah, so strategy at CTO is be more value and opportunistic. And so the multi-tenanted strategy, so we let Alpine do the single tenant uh, strategy, owns 23.5% of Alpine and manages Alpine. So so it gets some real benefits, but but uh, CTO will be basically be value investing in multi-tenanted properties. And actually right now is a great time to 
to be doing that um, in that, you know, there's a, a lot of uh, dearth of capital and a lot of sellers. So we're, we're picking our, our spots on, uh, on the acquisition side. Yeah. I noticed one property particularly, which is uh, one of your I guess, core properties in Atlanta. Can you talk a little bit about that one? That's a pretty large asset. It looks like there's a lot of value add enhancement opportunities there. Yeah, so uh, we bought Perimeter Place at the beginning of the year, so not great timing right in front of COVID, but we felt like we were getting pretty good value for that property. We bought that with a kind of a mid sevens cap rate, $75 million. And it's right there, uh, very close to about a mile away from State Farm's new uh, regional headquarters that are that is just delivered and a couple miles from Mercedes uh, North America headquarters that's new. So Perimeter is becoming this really infill densifying sub-market that we're very enthusiastic about getting involved with. Uh, Perimeter Place had been uh, owned um, for a long time by institutional investor who started not really reinvesting in the, in the property as they're looking to, to probably monetize. Not that there's, there's not deferred CapEx, it's not, but it's very stale rent roll. And so we're, uh, we hired a new management company, new leasing company. We've rebranded it, Ashford Lane. And, uh, and it's pretty exciting. Some of the tenants that we're actually talking to even in this kind of COVID environment. So I think that's one thing that, that investors are kind of missing is that um, I think they feel like retail has completely got, you know, a, a nail on the coffin. But uh, if you have good properties, tenants are looking to uh, enhance or better their position in a market. And so we're seeing actually a fair amount of leasing activity more than I would think. So, uh, so we're very uh, excited about this largest investment for us in a, you know, in the Atlanta MSA, very growing, thriving um, submarket. And, and actually with all the situation of people leaving urban environments, that's only going to help perimeter. Yeah. Well, um, last thing I want to ask you about is uh, really two, well, two things. I'm sorry. Management. Recently, I think it was announced you have a new CFO for Alpine. Is that correct? We do. Uh, Matt Partheridge, he used to be uh, CFO of Agri, uh, is coming on board in a couple of weeks. Great. And, and in terms of timing, so we know uh, when CTO could show up on our calendars for coverage. Uh, you file the, I guess, S4. Um, so obviously it's SEC review, board approval. So do you think this will get wrapped up by year end? What's the, what's the timeline for the, for the conversion? Yeah, that, that's the goal is by year end. And we think we can make that goal uh, for sure. And um, a lot, the good news is we've done a lot of this work uh, last year when we thought that this would make, be a logical uh, move for CTO. Uh, and so a lot of that work had been done. And then when COVID happened, we kind of put it on hold um, and then picked it back up uh, kind of a couple months ago. And so we, we think that it'll happen by the end of the year. And if it does, that means we've qualified as a REIT this year. And so that's why uh, it necessitates us to pay a, a larger dividend here in the next quarter. So it does take shareholder approval. Um, I think uh, most of the shareholders that, uh, that I've talked to uh, have been urging this for a couple of years. And so uh, it's not a surprise to anyone and, and something people have been uh, looking forward to. Great. And I just want to remind the audience, sometimes it's perceived that, you know, the REIT vehicle is a loophole. And I got to debunk that real quick because obviously those dividends are going to get paid by the shareholders, not the corporations. 
So uh, the REIT vehicle is, is alive and well. I see no threat to the business model. It's been around for almost 60 years, um, about longer than, than uh, CTO, of course. So, um, well, John, listen, I want to thank you for your time today. Uh, congratulations on the success at Alpine. We're, we're, uh, we're in there with you as well. And uh, I want to see that company continue to grow and look forward to covering uh, CTO uh, in the very near future. Well, I, I expect, uh, expect you to invest in CTO as well. So you got, you know, double-barreled uh, opportunity. Sounds Thank good. You, look, forward, look forward to it. Thank you, John. All right. Thank you.